Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. Well, welcome to Nutrigenomic Nation, where we talk about nutritional-based healthcare technology and emerging trends related to your genetic health. And today we've got a special guest. We have a good friend of mine. We have Dr. Dondi Nettles. Dr. Nettles is a former family wellness chiropractor. He specialized in posture correction. And Dr. Nettles had the fourth largest solo chiropractic practice in the state of Arizona. And he saw between 350 and 500 patients per week. Also, he was an AM talk radio host prior to becoming a stay-at-home dad and a podcaster and a home-based global entrepreneur. Dondi has the perfect blended family with his beautiful wife, Marcy. So welcome to the program, Dondi. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. It's an absolute honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And, and this is a treat for us. Like I said, we've been friends for, for many years here. And I consider you, um, you know, one of the, the, the most knowledgeable people on this emerging trend of nutrigenomics. And so I'm really excited about today's program. And, and I got a lot of questions for you. But my first question is really, I want our audience to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and really what led you into the healthcare profession? Well, I would say that I stumbled into the healthcare profession, um, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do necessarily. I knew I wanted to help people ever since I was a young child. I just didn't know how. And so I, I changed my major seven times in college. Chiropractic was the seventh change in my major. So I, I, I originally wanted to be a marine biologist after watching hours and hours and hours of Jacques Cousteau on local uh, public access ch- uh, television in, in my town. I grew up in Northern California, the Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area. And, and that didn't work out too well. Um, and then uh, multiple times, I wanted to be a dentist. I wanted to be an architect. Um, and none of that worked out either. And I was kind of floundering in between majors and figuring out what I was going to do pl- while I was playing baseball at the collegiate level. And I started having numbness in my throwing hand. And I played shortstop. So when you have thumb, index finger, and, and middle finger, you can't feel necessarily and have, have a hard time gripping the ball it makes it very difficult to throw an accurate throw to first base or anywhere for that matter. And I lost my starting position and I kept having my teammates say, Hey, you need to go to a chiropractor. Well, I'd never been to a chiropractor, never knew anybody who'd ever been to a chiropractor. And all I knew is I didn't have back pain. I just couldn't throw to first base. And I didn't understand based on my understanding of what chiropractors did, they worked on sore backs. I didn't go. And I went to instead to an orthopedic surgeon, again, being from the, the California Bay area, San Francisco, or, uh, San Francisco Giants, um, San Jose Sharks, Oakland A's, those were the teams that I was following. And I found the orthopedic surgeon that treated those athletes. And I thought, I need to get back on the field. I might as well go to a doctor that treats athletes. And this orthopedic surgeon, Stanford educated orthopedic surgeon, brought me in, did an evaluation, took some x-rays and said, well, you've got this thing called scoliosis, which is a curvature in your mid back. And you have a loss of curve in your neck. All of this was new terminology to me. And they said, and I was like, okay, so in English, what does that mean? And he said, well, we're, we can do surgery. We're going to cut you from the base of your skull. 
down to about your mid back. We're going to put in these rods. It's going to give you the normal spinal positioning that you should have and everything will be great. You know, it'll be about six to eight month recovery and rehabilitation. It's like, so when do I get to play again? And he goes, ah, that's the thing. You're probably not going to play collegiate ball ever mm. again. Well, that's when I was like, well, then you're not my doctor. And I left and I thought, well, that was pretty discouraging news. And I finally gave in and went and saw the chiropractor that my teammates were telling me to go to. And, and I, and again, I came, I went in there very, let's just say fueled with objections because I thought I was wasting my time. I was only doing it to appease my teammates. And as I left that day, um, and I came back the next day to look at my x-rays and I confronted the dog. I didn't know what chiropractors did or didn't do. And he was about to show me my x-rays. And I thought, yeah, you're going to cut me open. You're going to put these rods in my back and lie, yada, yada. He, and he starts laughing at me and he goes, we don't do surgeries. Chiropractors don't do surgeries. And I said, so I'm thinking, okay, well, not only are you not a doctor, you're a quack. <laughs> like I'd always heard chiropractors were, which is why I didn't want to go. I heard they were quacks. And I said, so what are you going to do? And his name was Mark. Wells. I called it, I didn't even call him Dr. Wells. I called him. So what are you going to do, Mark? And it was kind of confrontational and disrespectful. And he showed me, he just kind of smirked and, and he goes, well, we're going to help you fix the correction, correct the, the misalignment you have in your mid back called the scoliosis. And we're going to put the curve back in your neck. And I go, yeah, with surgery. And he goes, no, we're going to give you rehabilitative exercises. We're going to give you neural reprogramming. And within probably 12 to 15 months, we'll have you back in normal position. But within a couple of days, the numbness will be gone in your fingers. You'll be back playing baseball in a couple of days. Wow. And I'm now I'm thinking either it's a, I'm confirmed this guy's a quack or now I'm really, pardon my expression, pissed at the orthopedic surgeon <laughs> from Stanford. And that's when I realized it was a, to they were both absolutely 100% correct. It was just two different pathways to the same end result. One was very invasive and structural permanent correction. The other one was more rehabilitative and very dynamic. And as a result of that one day, I, I proceeded with care and I became a chiropractor. I changed my major to chiropractic within a week and a half of that first adjustment that I got from Dr. Mark Wells, changed oh. the entire trajectory of my life. And that's how I got on in healthcare is because... It, it, I was wanting to get my starting position back as shortstop on my collegiate team. Turned out to be an entire career move for me. And then I fell in love with health and wellness as I learned more and more about it, which obviously now I'm no longer a practicing chiropractor, but it opens opportunities for me to be like the guest on your show today. So thank you so much for that, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's always an interesting story about how people end up in the, in the healthcare profession because of a personal experience, personal story like that. And, and I've heard that story before and it and I love it every time that, that you tell it. So thank you for sharing that. So our, yeah, and, obviously and, our program is called Nutrigenomic Nation. And, and I really want to talk Nutrigenomics with you. Like I said, I consider you one of um, one of the ex best experts I know of, around this whole technology. Um, can you explain to our listeners, especially the ones that may be new, uh, logging on to our program for the first time, explain what Nutrigenomics really is all about? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and before I get into, I wanted to just make a preface that that, that orthopedic surgeon um, is the best in his industry, which is why all those highly, you know, millionaire professional athletes went to him. Yeah. They just went to him with different problems than I went to him. So I didn't mean to discredit his professionalism or how amazing he is as a doctor. He just wasn't correcting my problem. Um, those kinds of athletes go in for different problems. So, but now to answer your question on nutrigenomics, um, it's a relatively new term, at least as far as the lay people understanding, and it's how nutrition 
and natural compounds literally affect our genes, our literal DNA, that we can change and influence and improve upon by simply by the foods that we eat and the lifestyle measures that we implement versus what another emerging trend, it's actually been along, around a little, far, a little longer, is pharmacogenomics, which is how pharmaceuticals intervene in the DNA structure and intervene in our genome too. They're very, very, very hot topics right now. And one is, I mean, I, I don't want to make, I, I will say which one I think is, is superior in its approach because it has the least amount of side effects and the greatest opportunity for hope. And that's nutrigenomics, nutrition and natural compounds affecting our genes in a positive way. Awesome. So obviously pharmaceuticals, lots of side effects. I mean, every commercial you see on TV with every ailment you may or may not have, they go through and list all the long list of side effects while they're showing happy people, you know, doing what they do right. on the TV screen, right? But we're talking about nutrition, as you said. So that's that's um, much less side effects, uh, just getting getting this effect through through our food, essentially. Is that right? Yeah, our, through our food and, and other organic compounds, natural compounds, supplements, um, cellular activators, things of that nature. But yeah, it's using a natural nutritional-based approach to influencing our genes in a positive way. And here's kind of the, the basic fundamental difference between pharmacogenomics, which manipulate human physiology, which is why the side effects come in, whereas nutrigenomics more honors the biological laws of our body and influences normal pathways to be more efficient, where pharmaceuticals intervene in a pharmacogenomics capacity and actually manipulate pathways, which always bring side effects. It's just a matter of whether that side effect is a whisper to our body and it gives us some less pain relief or better mobility or whatever ultimate goal is, or whether it's screaming at us and we have a very unwanted side effect. It's always an objection on the body when there's pharmaceuticals involved versus the body warranting it, welcoming it, and actually benefiting from it when it comes from a more natural or nutrition approach. So really, what we're talking about here is really communicating with our genes at a cellular level. Exactly. Actually, in, even in a subcellular level, down to the DNA level. So, so really getting microscopic here. How does and you mentioned the word pathways? I mean, how does this how does this all work at a cellular level? Um, well, I guess it starts back in 2003 when scientists kind of finished mapping out what we call the human genome, and that is inside every cell of our body we have a nucleus. And inside that nucleus is the genome. It literally is who we are. So with our 23 pairs of chromosomes, each of those chromosomes has DNA. And DNA is, is kind of what makes us up. It's all the switches that get flipped inside of our cells or turned off inside of our cells to make us who we are at the most efficient level. The problem as we start to age, that genome gets less and less efficient as the factors of aging come in. And to your point, there's, there's theories of aging and there's three prominent one, and I'll go with the oldest first and, and kind of come to the most recent. The oldest is the, the free radical theory of aging. Um, some of us, you know, you, we've seen commercials on TV. We've, we started hearing the term oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is just a more scientifically sounding name for free radical damage. And free radical damage is what happens when we breathe oxygen because oxygen is in the air that we breathe. When we breathe in oxygen, it damages our cells. So a, a visual of that, if you've ever cut open an apple or an avocado and you left it on the counter, came back a while later and it started to turn brown. That's the oxygen in the air oxidizing or causing oxidative stress to the flesh of that avocado or apple. Well. The difference between our bodies and an apple is our bodies can fight back the way an apple can't. 
and we produce enzymes inside our body, specifically antioxidant enzymes. And it's a very powerful approach. It just has limitations. So we know now that free radicals are bad, antioxidants are good, and we can drink antioxidants, we can take antioxidant supplements, we can eat spices, we can eat super amazing or uh, you know, organic super fruits from you know the, all the four corners of the world that we've never heard of before that are just these new things. And they all work wonderfully, but that is categorized as what is called a direct antioxidant. The ones made inside our body are indirect because they're enzymes, they're indirect antioxidants. So we understand now as we've put that free radical theory of aging in practice is that taking antioxidants works good, but the limitations are there and the limitations are they're indiscriminate. So you can take antioxidants, but sometimes free radicals are made by your body that were meant for your good. For example, is something that we probably, in all of our bathrooms, we have a little brown bottle that says hydrogen peroxide on it. Hydrogen peroxide is a free radical. It's also made by our body deliberately, specifically, every single day as a weapon against viruses and bacteria. Our body makes this free radical to attack viruses and bacteria. The problem is when we take a, a super dose of this neat berry from some rainforest somewhere, it doesn't understand the difference between good free radicals made by our body for our benefit and the bad free radicals, the ones that are causing damage to our cells like the browning of an apple and it neutralizes them all. Well, we just neutralize something our body made for good. That's the difference or the limitation of that direct antioxidant or taking antioxidants, that making antioxidants, which our body has the ability to do, doesn't have that limitation. The antioxidants that are made by our body, these enzymes, don't neutralize the things that are made by our body for our own good. It understands the difference, and that's the shortcoming of it, but that free radical theory of aging works works better at the end of our life or towards the end of our life or in the latter stages of aging. Um, and we there's another pathway kind of to your point that is more discovered that we've discovered more recently and it's mitochondria. And the mitochondria pathway and, and uh, if anyone who's ever taken I don't know, ninth grade, 10th grade biology, we understand that mitochondria are the powerhouses as they were taught to us, the energy factories that give our cells energy. Well, one of the greatest parts of aging is the declining of energy. It's one of the things that a lot of aging people go to their doctors for. I just don't have the energy that I had anymore. I wake right. up tired. No surprise to people, right? I mean, they as they get older, they have less and less energy than we were when we were a, a kid or even our, in our teens and 20s, right? Yeah. Well, nobody escapes it. it yeah. It's, you know, it's, there's no exemptions to the decline of, of energy as we age. It's a normal occurrence. The problem, though, is that sometimes that normal is really not normal. It's actually accelerated inefficiency. And that's where we now, through science and through putting in lifestyle measures, we can slow that down because we need energy. So how do people know? They wake up after 8 to 10 hours and they, they would rather hit snooze than get out of bed, thinking that another nine minutes is really going to make a difference. <laughs> and then another nine minutes and then another nine minutes. It really doesn't. In essence, your body's just saying, I don't have the energy to get out of bed, even though your eyes have been closed and you've been horizontal for the last eight to 10 hours. And that's not where we're younger. We require less sleep because we have better mitochondria function. 
as we get older, we need more of it and we still wake up tired. And that's, that's, a, that's one of those pathways that we now have access to through nutrigenomics. And then the most recent one is called NAD. And it's, it's kind of a big buzzword, especially for people that are intermittent fasting or keto. With keto mm -hmm. comes this new awareness of NAD. And it's, again, it's, it's also contributing to mitochondria, but not from a necessarily a mitochondrial production standpoint, which is the NRF1 pathway, but from a mitochondrial efficiency and how it communicates with the nucleus of our cells. The nucleus knows when it needs energy. It's sending out the signal through proteins. Question is whether or not the mitochondria is picking up those protein messengers. NAD is, is, uh, is a new discovery, especially within the last three to five years, we're having a really good scientific understanding of it. And it, it's where it also affects mitochondria or deals directly with mitochondria, but not in the, in the production of ATP, the way that NRF1 pathway does. It's whether or not the communication from the nucleus of your cell is actually getting its protein messenger to the mitochondria. So the mitochondria understands how much energy to produce based on the needs of the cell. And that is that communication is what happens over time and gets less and less efficient. The, the communication gets less. So when people that, and NAD is a very popular thing, especially in the keto community and especially in the intermittent fasting community because of the benefits of NAD or specifically sirtuin activity, which is the, more, the moving parts of the NAD and what actually happens in that. But those are the, the predominant pathways that are in effect and they all compound on each other. And when all three of those pathways, that free radical pathway, that mitochondria pathway, and that NAD pathway are all working in synergy, it's unbelievable the ramifications and the, the, the benefits of efficiency restoration in the body, especially from a cellular perspective. So how do we how do we activate these pathways? I mean, obviously we talked in general about using nutrition and phytonutrients and things like that for that. Um, but what, what exactly how these mechanisms work? I mean, let's start with oxidative stress and, and that pathway there. Um, how does how does that how do we activate that? How can we get the the, the benefit to to really get the cell to do what it's already designed to do? Great question. So it's the, the the most efficient way that we have found, and there's two, and one is a little bit more more efficient than the other, is using what is called a precursor. So a precursor is you can give the body a precursor and the body will make the benefit. So you can encourage the body to produce these enzymes by putting the body in oxidative stress through nutritional means. Um, you can, and, and a lot of things can do that. You can drink things that will put your body in oxidative stress and your body's natural tendency in that increased oxidative stress is to produce these antioxidant enzymes. It's efficient. It's just not efficient as it could be. We discovered a, a different pathway. So it's, I'll give you kind of the analogy that we all have heaters and we all have air conditioners in our home, most of us. And there's a thermostat involved. So you can set the thermostat temperature for either that heater or that air conditioner to turn on. But what requires that mechanism actually turning on is the temperature in the room must change. So that's the precursor analysis or analogy. Or you can just go over and turn on the switch on the heater or the air conditioner. It's more efficient and you can do it at will. The one that has been the most effective is this NRF2 pathway. And there's been, there are certain spices. There are certain things like broccolini, as an example, that is a good NRF2 activator. Green tea is a good NRF2 activator, but those have limited approaches. In other words, it kind of turns it on, but not long enough to have a, a sustained benefit. 
there's an amazing discovery in combining five botanical plant ingredients that actually, it's, it's literally the switch to turn on this NRF2 pathway. And it goes in what is called a cyclical fashion, like a bell curve, remember bell curve from geometry. Mm -hmm. So it, it ramps up, it peaks and it ramps down over about a 12 hour period. And that NRF2 pathway, we've, we've figured out, or scientists have figured out using mainly herbs and plants, how to trigger this thing. And it's a daily approach because obviously we're breathing every single day. And so when you have a daily remedy for a daily problem, you can have measurable and sustainable benefits from it. Awesome. So let's let's talk about the ATP part of it. I mean, you mentioned NRF1. Is that that's a different pathway and that has to do with our mitochondria and energy? Yeah, it's it's a very different pathway. Same approach. Um, you it's 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 through through medicinal herbs and and plant compounds, you can trigger that NRF1 pathway. So in the, the benefit to that is it's kind of there's a three-pronged benefit to what this triggering this pathway does to mitochondria. It makes more of them, it makes them larger than before, and it allows them to stay around longer. And there's another fourth benefit that is actually being discovered, and that is inside the cell, what is called the cytoplasm, is the, the, those messenger proteins in there and what are called macrophages, um, cells with a very specific, or cell particles with very specific cannibalistic, if you will, or they're, they're, they, they eat the byproducts or they eat the declining efficiency of mitochondria, which limits the ones that are already getting less and less efficient, while it promotes and strengthens the one that are, that are replacing them. And so that pathway of getting more mitochondria, allowing them to stay around longer and making them bigger, the long-term net result of that is more ATP, more fuel, more rocket fuel for the high-performance body that we're living in, while it's also inside the cell cleaning up all the debris from the old ones that are passing away. So it sounds like uh, a couple parts there, like you're remodeling the cell almost, or at least as far as the mitochondria are concerned, you've got the garbage man kind of cleaning up all the old stuff and, and then you're building brand new stuff that's more, more efficient and effective inside the cell. It is, and it gets, it's literally down to the, to the DNA level. And for, um, for, the, for your listeners that really don't have a, a deep understanding of DNA, consider it like links of a chain, like just literally links of a chain. When you're and, and every one of those links creates proteins that carry messengers or carry messages to the inner workings, primarily in this case, in this example, the mitochondria. And so when you have a, tri a gene that gets triggered, the genes are like the links of the chain of the DNA. When you turn on that gene, it sends out a messenger. It sends out a messenger enzyme, an, an RNA enzyme that's kind of like, I remember in psychology class, the, our instructor did this example where he put like 10 to 20 people side by side and then whispered something into the first person. And that first person is now responsible to whisper the same thing into the next person's ear until it gets all the way down to the end. That's an example of what is called transcription. That is what the messenger RNA or the RNA enzyme does as it reads every link of the chain of the DNA, which is who we are. And then it sends that signal to the mitochondria, so the mitochondria knows how much energy to produce. But like the example I remember from psychology class, by the time the message got down to the last person, it was very unrelated to the first person's message that the instructor gave. That's the error in our transcription, or sometimes the error in the mutations or the deletions of this DNA strain, which is what leads to problems, leads to diseases, leads to premature aging, and leads to all kinds of other things. So the, in essence, the whole focus here in this nutrigenomic pathway is to allow the NRF1 
to get a proper message to get the, the to tell the nucleus how much actual energy to produce based on the needs of the cell that it's producing it for. And that really is where the efficiency comes in and what triggering that pathway is better than just drinking a, a, a cup of latte, for example, when you're getting outside energy in the form of caffeine, which wears off much quicker and leads you in a crash position, or getting the energy from the energy source inside your cells, turning that on, that's the most efficient and longstanding way to wellness than there is. And it's just a matter of now we've learned how to do that through proper nutrition, which we had never done before. This is about a, this is about an eight to 10 year old discovery. Wow. And, and and speaking of research, I mean, talk more about the, the NAD piece of it. I mean, what are you mentioned the word sirtuins? I mean, what, what are sirtuins and what is what does NAD have to do with sirtuins? Great question. So if, if I, I'm a product of the of the 70s and 80s and growing up in the early video game era, and Pac-Man was one of my favorite video games. And so <laughs> Pac-Man, the, the little pellets that the Pac-Man are eating, consider the Pac-Man what sirtuins are. And those little pellets are the debris inside the cell caused from particles inside the cell replacing themselves, particles inside the cell that are damaged as a normal functioning part of the, of the cell structure, and it cleans up the environment. Kind of consider if what happens if they're not cleaned up. If you've ever put, like on your bike chain, if you ever know riding your bike what happens when you get sand in your chain and sand into the sprocket, it, it causes all kinds of problems. Well, that's what happens in any kind of gear. The sirtuins clean up the sand in between the gears so the gears are working right. And those gears is literally the efficiency of the cell. Well, here's the long-term byproduct of that. When cells are working more efficiently, not only do they communicate more efficiently to the other cells, it gets a systemic effect. Your body overall now has a compound benefit of these sirtuins, which is cleaning up the cellular debris inside the cells, which is caused by production of NAD. And now you've got more efficient cells. And why that's important from an NAD perspective is that is why the cell nucleus, which is always understanding where it is, taking its own inventory, what its energy needs are, what its, what its communication needs are, and it tries to express those through proteins. The inefficiency of aging leads to the nucleus getting the messages out, or in some cases not getting the messages out, and the mitochondria never getting the message or getting a confused message or not strong enough of a message. It's the inefficiency of communication between the nucleus of our cells and the mitochondria, which is what provides the energy to the cells. NAD restores that communication. And that insert ones are what allows that to happen by cleaning up the cellular environment, allowing the cells to communicate with their neighbors. And actually it it's almost like a Wi-Fi system to kind of use an analogy. When you have a couple of cells that start working more efficiently, it sends out a Wi-Fi signal, kind of like, consider it like the Paul Revere of our communication process inside our cells. Like the British are coming, the British yeah. are coming. One guy, the message started to spread and we were prepared. Same kind of a scenario inside our cells, triggered by sirtuins, which are produced by the NAD, restoring communication between the nucleus and the mitochondria and giving the energy that the cells need. And we now have this burst of energy which won't wear off when the caffeine taste of the, of the latte wears off out of our mouth. It's a, it's a long-standing thing and done inside our bodies rather than try to bring it in from outside, which has obviously limitations. And all good stuff. And we, we've really covered, I think, three of examples of those pathways. We talked about the NRF2 pathway to deal with the oxidative stress, that oxidation. Uh, the, I think of oxidation like, almost like a rusting process when I think of yeah. the word oxidation inside of our body. Um, we talked about NRF1 and, and talked about healthy mitochondria and the importance of that. And we talked about NAD and, and sirtuins. And, and again, activating all this through 
nutrition and, and combinations of ingredients and, and just kind of recapping what you had talked about there. Um, but well, why, why don't most people know about this already? Why, why aren't they aware of it? Why aren't doctors uh, out there telling their patients that, that this technology exists? That's a great question, Brian. And, and, and to be very transparent and protect the identities of the doctors that are out there that are very truly meaning well, it's number one, when a doctor is in practice and they're treating their patients, whatever they're doing, whether they're actually seeing patients, they're doing research on behalf of the doctors that'll see patients, they get into a very tunnel vision or head down perspective, which is very good for where the energy and the, the efforts they put in will yield as far as data and how it will benefit everybody. But sometimes what happens is they can also be very ignorant of the things happening around them. And so it's more of an uneducated or ignorant standpoint rather than a substandard doctor. And this is where we live in the age of specialty. And to the people that are looking for better health, one would need to go to a doctor that provides health. Kind of like if you have a, an appliance concern in your house and your refrigerator stops working, you wouldn't necessarily call an oven repairman. There's a specialist, or you would, if your dryer stops working, you wouldn't necessarily call the guy who fixes the air conditioner. So it's a subspecies or subspecialty, and people get very, very educated about a very small thing. And oftentimes that reality, they don't communicate with each other for an overall approach. Now, from a healthcare consumer, if you want health, you go to the doctors that work on health. If you want pills or a symptom reduction, you go to the, the system that provides that. And so it's more of a, the altruistic, the alternative, what it used to be called, which is actually now much, much more popular, is how learning how the body works, what, what does it behave like when it's not working, and what does it behave like when it is working, and go to the people who understand those. And that's kind of what, where we get this ammunition. But most doctors that are I'm gonna, the MDs, the people that you go to them and their first question is, what brought you here today? What symptom? What pain? What dysfunction? They come from a treatment standpoint, whereas this approach is more reactive. Um, whereas when we look at what's most beneficial, it's the proactive or do it, preventing the things that cause us to go there. And it's simply a mind switch. The, the people that are there or the people that are, are there that will help you, it's just a matter of what makes more sense. Do you want to get out of pain or do you want to be healthy again? And that's the, that is where the consumer has to make those decisions. But most doctors, I, well, put it this way, I've never ultimately, and I, I've worked with thousands of doctors, I've never met a doctor who didn't become a doctor for very good reasons, to help people. And, but in that specialty, they can sometimes get they can just get very, very focused on what they do, that they're not really aware of what's happening around them. But there's also ones that work in a multidisciplinary way, or there's a lot of use. You're seeing now, or we're seeing now a lot in medical schools, we're seeing a lot of preventative things being implemented into their education. We're seeing a lot more multidisciplinary practice. We're seeing a lot more doctors and specialists team up for the overall benefits of, of their consumers, which are, are you and I, the, 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 uh, the people that wanna live healthier, it's just a matter of where we go, but it, it also in that process, people can be very focused and I don't wanna say narrow-minded, very narrow focused and miss a lot of the things that are advancing in the world. Good news is though, with all the recent things that have been happening in research, if we want to know, we can, we just have to go, we look where to go. And even in that can be somewhat confusing or give misinformation, which is why working with specialists and listening to podcasts like yours can help us get a much better approach on who to follow, where to go get information to get ultimately the benefit we're looking for. 
Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think most doctors that I've come across are, uh, they would rather you not see you in our office. They really want you to be well and stay well. Um, there's a lot of people out there who just think that doctors are, are out in there in there for the money and and want to keep you sick. And and I just haven't seen that to be be true, uh, generally speaking. And 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 I think part of it, um, it really. So we're talking about nutrition now, and and just kind of tying it back to the first story that you talked about. You went to a specialist, a surgeon. That's what he knew, um, versus a chiropractor who had a completely different approach. Um, and same thing kind of here, right? Because most, most MDs, doctors are trained uh, in medicine, which nutrigenomics necessarily isn't. It, it can act very, in a similar way to medicine. And, and as we talked about, be more efficient and effective than in some of the, the, the pharma, pharmaco, uh, ph uh, pharmacological solutions out there. Um, but this is nutrition. I think a lot of doctors just aren't trained in nutrition, but many of the, like I found, are very open to these, this idea uh, about it. But is that is that also, do you, would you agree with that? Well, I would totally agree with that. And, and it's and it kind of back to the point I was making about when they get so focused on a narrow form of study, they become experts mm -hmm. in their fields. They can be ignorant of the things that are happening around them, which I find that if, and this is the thing about your typical MD and the, how much they understand nutrition and how much they utilize nutrition in their practices with their patients. It's a very small point. It's a very small amount of their time because their education about nutrition is also very limited. But in their defense, that's not what they're becoming doctors on. They're becoming doctors of medicine. MD is medical doctor. And so they have to have a general uh, understanding of nutrition, but that doesn't really go beyond that. So what I have found in having discussions with medical doctors about these pathways, is most of them are not familiar with these pathways, specifically the NRF2, the NRF1, the NAD pathway, unless they're doing research outside their field. But they are aware of concepts. And so oxidative stress, for example, mitochondrial efficiency, um, sirtuin activity, uh, they're more familiar with those concepts. So, by, so asking a medical doctor, hey, what would you recommend how, that I trigger my NRF2 pathway. They probably, in all honesty, won't know what that is, but asking a better question, would lowering my oxidative stress be in my best interest? And of course, they're going to say yes. Conceptually, they understand the benefits of, of limiting or lowering oxidative stress. They may just not understand the DNA pathway in which to do it because it's just simply not a part of their training. But I don't know any medical doctor who would say no to that or would, would improving my mitochondrial function be in my best interest? I don't know a medical doctor that would say no to that, but they right. probably don't know the NRF1 pathway. And so that's when we ask them conceptually rather than specifically, unless of course that's their specialty, we may get cross, we may, they may get a confused look because it might've been the wrong question. But if we answer in a very simple concept, not only will we get understanding, we'll also get buy-in and then maybe have the opportunity to educate them on the pathway and make them a better doctor for their patients next time. Absolutely. Now, I, I mean, everything we talked about today, I mean, I know it excites me. I know it excites you. And hopefully our, our audience is excited about these concepts as well and these different pathways we can activate in the body. But is there research backing all this and, and where is that headed? Yes, there is. And that's what gets me the most excited. And I, I told you initially where my background is. I was born and raised in the Silicon Valley, the high tech capital of the world, the dot com capital of the world. Well, now it's kind of that same geographic location 
is also home to the nutrigenomic future and the pharmacogenomic future of our world. Because a lot of these dot-com millionaires that made millions in the 90s are now turning that money becoming venture capitalists for ventures. And I'll, I'll give you one huge example. Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google, paired up with some from scientists with Genentech and some executives from Apple. And so a collective effort between Google, Apple, and Genentech started this thing called Calico Labs. And Calico Labs has spent billions of dollars in research to come up with pharmaceutical interventions or pharmacogenomics to help us in the world. The good news is it's a, it's a very, I would say, honorable effort, but there hasn't been any drugs to market yet. And this has been going on since 2013. In the same area, there is a gentleman by the name of uh, Dave Asprey. You may know him from Bulletproof, if you've ever heard of Bulletproof Coffee. He has a, a similar or similar approach um, but a very different method. He has what is called upgrade labs and upgrade labs and what Dave Asprey is focusing on is more nutrigenomics, figuring out how to influence genes through natural means versus how to do it with pharmaceutical means, which will always have side effects. And it's happening in the same location. So this, why I'm so excited is I know where the future is going. And to your question about science, there's already research that has not only been conducted, it's been finished, it's been published, and there's just in that one pathway, that NRF2 oxidative stress, because it's been around a, a while longer as far as understanding, there is a, that, a product that we were talking about has 31 studies published in medical journals done by, you know, in double-blind placebo-controlled human studies that show the benefits of this, which we haven't yet seen come out of that pharmacogenomics approach, and it may eventually it's just a matter of one, there's already science, it's already published, it's already well known. I mean, all of us know that if you eat a good nutritious food, whether it be a breakfast, a lunch or a dinner, you're better off than eating junk food. That's common knowledge. When you can take common knowledge and apply it to practical science that has actually been proven pathways, we can understand why this not only makes sense, but why it's something we should proactively involve ourselves with if we have the awareness that it's there and how to get involved with it, which is what I love to be able to do. It's why I'm passionate about it. It's helping people understand that it's there, where to go to get it, and why it's working, and not my opinion, or not a testimonial, but scientific published research, which quite honestly, Brian, is if it's not published and it's not done, double-blind placebo-controlled trials, it's just noise to a lot of people that are very influential. Because I'm thinking at it from a doctor's standpoint, mm -hmm. if a doctor went on the testimonial of someone else, to recommend something to their patient and God forbid happen, something happened to that patient, that doctor would no longer be in practice. That's why we have protection from that. That's why doctors have malpractice insurance. But when something, when a doctor can recommend that something that's been proven, that's been in science, it's been published, it protects them professionally, but it also makes them a better, more knowledgeable doctor. It gives them more arrows in their quiver to help their patients that are already asking the questions. Because here's the thing I know, patients are going to ask questions until they find the doctors that can answer them and they're, they're going to go there. And so doctors are now looking at it. Well, if I don't know this, it could be a liability to my ability to help people, but it could also be a liability to what I have, what, whether I can stay long, in long-term practice. And it's kind of a transition of that preventative approach versus a reactionary approach. And people are getting tired of the, of the reactive approach. And a lot of our listeners, you know, they, they may be uh, appreciating the science, some may be lost by the science, and they may be thinking and just wondering like, okay, what 
if I apply this and, and I go out and I um, take some of these nutrigenomic products and put them into my body, what can I expect? What, what, what are some of the benefits that you've seen uh, with, when, when people apply this technology to, the, to their own bodies? It, it really, in all honesty, it depends on where they're starting from. So if they're, if they're starting at the, and I'll just give you two ends of the spectrum. If you have somebody who's young, they're athletic, they're fit, they eat right, you can just definitely predict they're going to live a, a healthier, happier life. But if you take on someone who's aging, they've got multiple health challenges, they eat fried foods, they don't exercise, they have, you know, they, they think negatively. If you start at both of those points with both of those individuals and you start activating these pathways the same way, one may notice a very profound approach with very little change. Another may have very significant change and notice nothing at all. And what I mean by the person who's young, who's fit, athletic, they're already making good preventative approaches to life. They literally may not notice anything in their bodies physically or a perception of something when they activate their body pathways more efficiently because they're probably already activating them efficiently or, or not as efficiently as they could be but more efficiently than someone who's doing it reactively. So they may not notice anything, but the person who's suffering from multiple things, literally within hours, sometimes even less than that, can notice something significant because it doesn't take a little bit of a change when there's a lot going on can be pretty profound. But there's the predictability to it is it will affect everyone the same. What to expect literally depends on where you're starting. And that's why, and I, I hear people all the time, I don't feel anything. Well, that's awesome. You're already at a pretty high level of health. And other people is like, oh my gosh, within a couple hours, I'm feeling significantly better, which is, it's, it's a good place of hope for that person. And then it's because it's their body doing, it. it's not the, you get the effect of it. And then when the, when the medication wears off, you got to take it again, or you have the side effect of the medication, but you struggle through it because ultimately you feel better, even though this and this and this is going on. It's just a complete change in, in philosophy of prevention versus reaction and how early you do it in your life. And some people, well, again, we're talking about brand new discoveries. So the people that are aging or they're, they're a little long further in along, can't blame yourself because this is new discoveries, but we now have this ability and to put it into our lives that what we can expect is it's going to work. What that feels like, what our life is like really depends on where they start. Okay. So, uh, and we talked about uh, we talked about aging there. We talked about energy levels, things like that. And, and so someone who may not feel the effects when they apply this to, to their own body, um, they're doing it more from a preventative approach. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and usually there's going to be, I mean, just like why most people go to doctors anyway, something breaks down, something doesn't feel good. They want change. Um, and that can be a, a good way to enter into the nutrigenomic conversation. It's just now learning what they learn. It's kind of like, well, you know what got you here. Do you want to stay here? Or do you want to prevent that episode from coming back by helping your body be more efficient? Because that's one of the things too about, and the FDA is very, 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 very strong on this from a legal standpoint. If it's pharmaceutical, you can make claims. You can say it prevents, treats, cures diseases. If it's nutraceutical or nutrigenomics, you can't because number one, it's the body doing the work. We don't know how the body is going to behave necessarily or, or what people's experience of what their body is doing. And, and you know, to be completely transparent, the FDA doesn't like competition because when you are well, there's really no need for a pharmaceutical. And even here's the interesting paradox is the people that are on the most medications and see the most doctors are the ones that are the most unwell because we don't have diseases because we ran out of that prescription. We have diseases because our cells don't work right. And it would make more sense to help our cells work right than 
filling the next prescription, which is just masking over this, the symptoms of the cells not working right. Again, it's, it's, it's an ideological shift. And do I want health? Pursue what gets you there. Do I want to feel better? Even though these things are still there. And this is people, they treat their symptoms, but the problem is still there. And it's a system that works for some when that's what they're looking for. But more and more people are going over to how can I feel better and stay that way? And that's where the reactionary approach is less and less favorable. The preventative approach is more and more favorable as people understand how the body works. And as more doctors in, in their defense, a lot more medical doctors are coming onto a proactive approach because it just makes sense. Absolutely. That, that's, that's uh, I, I think that wraps it up really there. And we're running out of time here, but I want to ask you, um, is there anything that we didn't cover today that, that you wanted you wanted everybody, you wanted the audience to really, really know? I, yeah, and I would just say for, for everybody listening, just take your own personal inventory. How do you feel when you wake up? From the moment you open your eyes, what thoughts enter your head? Are you dreading the day? Are you dreading getting out of bed and forget that it might be cold outside, it's more comfortable under warm covers? It's just generally speaking, how do you want to approach the day? And as you're approaching the day and as you're involved in the day, do you notice your energy depleting? Do you notice, not, I'm not talking about the, the typical crash after 2 p.m. after a big lunch. It's just generally speaking, take a personal inventory. How is my energy today? How is my thought process? Am I losing track of my thoughts? Am I forgetting things? Do I have brain fog? And if you can answer yes to any of those, it's a very strong probability that your cells are not working as efficiently as they could be. And that's why listening to podcasts like Nutrigenomics Nation and doing other things in your own benefit, finding out perhaps how did this problem occur? What can I do to intervene? And the more natural method you pursue, probably the longer benefit you're going to have you may not feel better as quickly as a pharmaceutical approach, but that's really not the purpose. It's the long-term benefit. And then just ask yourself those questions. If you're, if, if, could you have better energy in your mind and body? And do you walk into a room and why did I come in here kind of things? That's not a sign of dementia onset. It may just be a lack of cellular energy or proper communication process. And so start asking yourself those questions. And if you determine that you would like better, then now go find ways of doing it. And I would highly recommend looking into the NRF2, that's NRF2, the NRF1 and NAD pathways, because that's where cellular efficiency in your own body and triggering it naturally comes from, which yields an amazing result. Awesome, great stuff. So we're all, almost out of time. So uh, where can our audience go to learn more about you, Dr. Nettles, or maybe connect with you? Uh, probably the easiest way is to is my website. It's Dondi, D-O-N-D-E-E, -E, and Marcy, M-A-R-C-I, and that's and spelled out, dondiandmarcy.com. It's actually where my wife and I, we, we are both podcasters. We've got a wellness foreplay podcast, which is foreplay, F-O-U-R. We ask four questions about a health topic. Um, I'm available. Uh, I mean, you can connect with me on my social media platforms of Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And it's my first and last name. Easy to easy to trace, easy to find. And I would just love to do anything that I can to help people become, number one, more aware of their options and be their better health advocate and literally be a consumer of their own health with their, with their own benefits in mind, which also will have a spillover effect on the people they love and care about. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, thank you again for being our guest. And if our audience is curious about any products that incorporate some of this technology that we discussed today, uh, you can check them out either on our um, Facebook page, Nutrigenomic Facebook page, or you can go to taketheyellowpill.com. Yeah. That's taketheyellowpill.com. 
nutrigenomicnation.com. So from all of us at Nutrigenomic Nation, I hope you enjoyed the discussion today. And we hope you join us next time when we discuss other topics related to your good health. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Nettles. Oh, it's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much, Brian. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.